want to go to where we've been going. We're going to pray. We're praying like Jesus. So I want you to go with me to the book of Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. So glad for all of you. Remember, we got people here of every different place. Uh, keep in mind something all the time when we're going through this. This is the challenge. Every church is this way. You got people that have been in, in, in Christianity or been in church their whole lives. All of you. I mean, I have. I grew up in church. I've, I've heard everything under the sun. But then at the same time, we've got people that are coming in for the very first time that, that have never heard what you and I know. I always get, it kind of amazes me or tickles me once in a while. We'll have somebody come and say, Pastor, I've never heard that before. I'm thinking, okay, we're not trying to impress you with something you haven't heard, but what you and I have to realize is that you and I live with things that some people are never have never heard. So we're trying to make it where everybody can access something through the Word of God and grow. So he says in the book of Luke chapter 11, verse 1, Now it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place where he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples, and he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to stop right there and just build off of that. If you remember, if you were with us last week, we talked about the kingdom. It was the message of Jesus. Actually, it was the message of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus in Matthew 3 that was saying when John came on the scene, repent or have a change of mind for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying it's coming. Then we find Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, I believe it is. He comes in his message as he starts through Matthew's gospel is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. One saying it's coming and the other one is saying it is here, it is arrived. And then Jesus chooses some disciples and the first thing that he begins to do is to preach the gospel of the kingdom. So he begins to say, hey guys, I know you got to keep in mind the culture of the day. They were under heavy hand of the Roman Empire. They were really not in a place of freedom, but they were in that place where the uh, Roman government was pressing in on them. Many things were happening. And Jesus comes with the message, not saying revolt, but I'm going to tell you how to rise above the oppression. And he begins to teach them the kingdom. This is what the Bible said. You can go back and look. He began to preach the gospel of the kingdom. But in the kingdom, as he taught it, this is what began to happen. People began to be healed. Not only did people begin to be healed, but people began to be set free. Church, for you and I that know this and grow Grow, has grown up in this, we as the people of God do not have to live with sickness and disease and infirmity. It is not His will. Now for you that don't deal in this area, I'll say to my friends that struggle with addiction of some kind, whether it's chocolate cake or some drug or whatever, the will of God is you don't have to live addicted. The reality of that is nothing 
nothing is to have rule over you, but you're to have rule over your life and over this earth. Follow with me. I'm going to show you a couple of things tonight. So he began to preach. So we know that there's healing, there's deliverance. But it didn't stop there. Jesus took those disciples with him, goes to a mountain, and begins to teach as this great multitude is around him. And in Matthew chapter 6, you know this, especially from our people that love to study prosperity, and I do, and I want to prosper. I, I think it's so funny when I go online and I'm looking for information and study. You'd be surprised how many believers say, well, you know those prosperity preachers that don't preach right. Uh, boy, we the church are messed up because we don't think that God even wants us to prosper and to see that our needs are met. Matter of fact, in, in Matthew's gospel, I'm just going to read a, a passage there. I think it's chapter 6 and, and verse, uh, verse 32, I believe it is. Let me find Matthew. There he is. He says, for all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows what you have need of. I don't think we ought to be struggling as hard as we are getting the resources and the things that we need if he knows that I need them. Hello. Now, if you're satisfied with where you are, be content there. But I'm not. There's things that I want. There's things that I want to do. There's things that I want to see. That it's going to take resource beyond us. Matter of fact, if you really keep that in context, he'll say something like this. What are you worrying about your life for? What you're going to eat, what you're going to put on, what you're going to wear, or where you're going to live. I'm going to take care of you. To my senior saints in here, if you're trusting the government, what if the government fails? Come on, what if our 401Ks, what if everything that we have, we pray that it doesn't fail, but I better have my confidence in God's ability and not what I have. Now, it's real easy to talk that. It's another thing to do it. But he said in Matthew 6, verse 33, listen to what he said. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Where are they at? Evidently, they're in the kingdom. Or either that somebody's going to have to help me. I'm misunderstanding. But he said, everything I have need of is in the kingdom. It's in the rule of God for my life and over my life. So he said, seek first before anything. Come, find me, my righteousness. I believe when he's talking about his righteousness there is most, even the church, even the church struggles with the idea, am I worthy to have what the word says I can have and live the way the word says I can live? I... I Hesitant. I don't know who's watching me, but uh, I, but I will use this today. Uh, uh, we're going to pray for him at the end. Uh, Joe and Teresa Kitchen that come from time to time here. Her brother passed away suddenly last night with a heart attack. And so they called me and I'm praying for him over the phone last night. And I got up and this morning later in the day. I went and saw Joe and saw how things were and he told me, you, you know, he told me that 
you, you know, of course, Miss Teresa's broken as her only brother, naturally. So I call her to consult her, chat with her a few moments, and I don't think she would mind, but I talk to her just like I'm talking to you in this picture. She said, Pastor, I don't know if he was a Christian. And she said, it was, she was so mad. I don't know if he's with the Lord. And here's some of my consolation. I said, how do you know he isn't? How do you know he isn't? I said, I know distance and space and time is there. But I said, does not the word say that God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance? I've got this idea, Charlie, there ain't no one of us can leave this planet without an opportunity to receive Jesus as Lord. Now, you're still going to make a choice, but I believe that opportunity is there. If you haven't talked to anybody, haven't seen them, I said, you've got to leave that alone because you're going to be in torment by the way that, but he didn't go to church. Again, I'm not mocking, making fun. Miss Darlene, forgive me. I know this is your family. I'm not, I'm just, because this is what religion does to us. I said, wait a minute. Going to church doesn't save you. Going to church helps you stay saved. Hello? And helps you grow into everything that God has for you. And besides that, we are the church. He was wounded by the church years ago. But I said, that doesn't mean he fell out of, fell out of, out of whack with Jesus. See, some of us have been brought up like this. If you fail, you get, born, you get born again over and over and over. We couldn't wait for revivals to come around because every revival we were getting born again. I don't know about that personally. I don't believe that. I believe when you're born again, listen, you are born again. Can you sin? Yes, you can. But the word said, if I sin, he is faithful. If I sin, if I confess it, he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. But pastor, he smoked. Wait a minute. I'm not saying you ought to smoke. I was taught growing up smoking is a sin. I don't find it black and white in the scripture. I believe it's a form of idolatry personally, but, but I don't find it in the scripture. Does that mean I'm going to go? No, he was cutting his life short. My, my consolation for her was, look what religion has put on you, and now you're in torment because of what religion has done instead of what Jesus said. Hello? So we have to understand religion could put a lot of things on us. But he said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. I'm not righteous by any other thing but what Jesus did at the cross. It's not my righteousness is filthy rags. Pastor, you mean that gives me a liberty and a right to sin? Absolutely not. But I know when I confess his right, y'all are looking at me real funny tonight. When, when I confess his righteousness... And his holiness. I saw another one of those things today on Facebook. Big auditorium, a lot of people. This is when you preach. Uh, this is when you preach and you want to be popular. And then I saw a little church below with a few pews and about a half a dozen people sitting. This is what happens when you preach holiness. And I thought, wait a minute. See, we don't even understand what holiness is. I can't go there, but I'm trying to. We got to seek the righteousness. He has made me worthy to receive what he come to give me. So then if he said, seek first the kingdom, then let's understand what a kingdom is. 
So I'm giving you a couple of definitions. In the Old Testament, the word kingdom means this. It means a rule. It means a realm. And it means a dominion. That's an Old Testament definition. If you just go look it up in the Strong's. If you look it up in the New Testament, the definition is this. It's the rule of authority that was upon the king. It is a, no, wait a minute, got, got that wrong. Sorry, scratch that one. In the New Testament, the kingdom is we reign as kings with Jesus, our foundation, and authorization to do so. Two different realms. If you listen to Mr. Federer, he was bringing this out the other day. What did our country, why are we demanding and why did we come looking for freedom? So we wouldn't be under the tyranny of a king, of a one-person ruler. So we are republic, the people that rule through those that have been designated to speak for us. I got corrected the other night during the time because I said something about a democracy and they kind of, hey, it's a, we're a republic. <laughs> it's all right. They want to keep everything straight. I just said it, I guess, wrong. But in the New Testament, we reign as kings with Jesus, our foundation. In the Old Testament, you can go back the first time you see the word kingdom mentioned. It's in Genesis chapter 10. And it goes through the line of Noah's children. And it comes to one by the name of Nimrod, who was the son of Cush, who was the son of Ham, I believe. I hope I got that right in genealogy. And it says that Nimrod was known as a mighty hunter. And it said, this is his domain. And I can't pronounce the names of the, of the cities, so it's no use me trying to read it. So it said, this city and this city and this city and this city was under the rule of Nimrod. In other words, he was the king giving orders and declaring, this is what our nation will look like or our country will look like. You go into the Old Testament again and see kingdoms. One kingdom would rise against another kingdom, but it would always make mention of the king, that they would come as rulers to overtake another kingdom. So in the New Testament or in the Old Testament, the kingdom is the rule of authority was resting upon the king. That's what I meant to say a while ago. In the New Testament, the rule of the kingdom is resting upon the citizens of that kingdom under the authority and as they stand upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's why he said the kingdom is not here, it's not there, but the kingdom is within you. It's within us. So that means whether I'm in Cape Girardeau or whether I'm in Hawaii or whether I'm in Tulsa or whether wherever I could be, the kingdom of God goes with me and the same benefits and the same blessings and the same power can walk through with me in that because the kingdom is in me. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are... A chosen generation, a royal 
priesthood. Wait a minute, a, royal, a kingly priesthood. So if you're a kingly priesthood, what does that mean? You and I are supposed to be walking in a measure of authority and rule. We're supposed to be doing it. So the very bottom line of, of the kingdom, listen, li listen, this is very, very elementary. But we grow up into greater understanding of the kingdom. Isn't it interesting that the first thing that Jesus did, remember, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. He chose these disciples. So he sets them down. Now he's going to teach them how to, how to operate in the kingdom. We call that the Beatitudes. Genesis, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse, uh, verse 1. And he seen the multitudes went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to them. Then he opened his mouth and he taught them. Y'all know these, these, we call them the Beatitudes. This ought to be your attitude thing. We've heard him preached and everything. But really, if his message is the kingdom, he said, guys, you're going to miss the kingdom if your attitude isn't right. So the first thing he says is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What was he talking about? He wasn't talking about being broke with money. He was simply, I believe, telling them when they recognized their own spiritual poverty and that it was in Jesus or was in him, he said the kingdom was theirs. In other words, you've got to get your flesh out of the way. If you want to be your king and you want to declare what you're going to do with your life, I'm going to get my will, have it my way. Like Burger King, they lie to me all the time. I go in there, they got that on the door, have it your way. I go in there, they ain't nobody, you're the king. They don't come and serve me. They'll give me a paper crown, I'll sit down with it on. Hey, I'm empty here, they don't care. But that's, but that's the reality. It's, he's talking about you can let your flesh dictate. You can let your own heart rule or you can find yourself in the kingdom of God in a moment of transition or transformation. And God said, I'll give you the kingdom. He said, I'll open it up to you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. When we really see, God, how much we need you. That's who the mourners are, is those that recognize, wait a minute, we're a sinful people. This is a sinful nation, and God, I need a Savior. I got to have you. Then he went on to say, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Boy, this is a good one. The Bible said, I think it was Moses was the most meek man on the earth. What was he talking about being meek? I simply believe it means this. Those that are waiting upon the Lord and not letting their flesh and emotions get in the way or take over. And boy, how easy it is for all of us to let our flesh and let our emotions rule us. Oh, it's getting bad. It's getting dark. Wait a minute. It may be getting dark, but I'm a kingdom person. 
Hello, the government is talking this, but I'm a king of purpose. Oh no, what if what happens if tomorrow when it's 105 degrees and the power grid is overtaken and we don't have any? Do you realize that God could send a cool breeze at whatever you and I, but you're going you and I are gonna have to start thinking like kingdom people that we are above, not beneath. We're not a part of we're in a whole different realm. Hello. That there is nothing. Remember, one of our core values of this house is he's a God without limits, and we're going to take the limits off of God. I don't know. They're pretty bad. I don't know if God could change them or not. Yes, he can. There ain't nobody too bad for God. There's nobody too wicked, nobody too bound up, nobody got too big a problem, nobody too, too this or too that that Jesus can't handle. We got to think that way. Oh, they just give him two days to live. So we still, but pastor, we we prayed that and they still died. I don't care. We still got to think of another realm. We got to believe we're in another domain with the Lord. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. I really believe those, this hunger and thirst is God. I want to do it your way, not my way. I don't want to do it through religion. You have to understand the religious order of the day, even among the Jews. They were still going to the temple. There were still the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were still doing all of these things. But I've got to realize something. God, my hunger is you. And he said, if I would, I would be filled. Blessed are they. Uh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That ought to be a principle everybody in this house lives by. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Every one of us deserved, didn't deserve what we got. None of us deserved salvation, but God gave us mercy anyway. He extended his great love. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's the person that said, wait a minute, guys. We're not in a big revolt here. I'm telling you, God has forgiven. God has redeemed. God has paid the price for you, and I'm helping bring peace between heaven and earth but he did go on to say blessed are those who persecute it for righteousness snake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven there's going to be there's going to be persecution people and persecution may not be from some it might be your family that says you're an idiot for believing such a thing or giving you a rough time because of the stand that you're taking I was talking to Adam a while ago. His company that he works for is mandating now that they go through all of this training of how to be accepting and how, how you, you know, all of this. It's being mandated. And, and you, you know, the challenge is now it's going to bring it on. What are you going to do? You know, we can take a stand. We can be wise. We can be loving. We don't have to be mean, screaming and hollering. It ain't going to change it anyway. But the reality is I'm going to have to take a stand, and it may bring, but you're a hater, so I'm in love with Jesus, and I love you more than what you know. So it could be. The Bible said, what is it? The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and it addeth no sorrow. It maketh rich, and it addeth no sorrow. 
But there's also another verse that said, He that giveth houses and lands and fathers and mothers for my sake and the gospel, I will in this present time give you houses and lands and fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers. And oh, he said, oh, I forgot one. And persecution. Because it will come. You see, when the church strikes at the guys that are preaching prosperity, that's a part of the message. They're being persecuted by their own people, by their own believers. And if we're not careful, we all fall into that. So let me give you real quick. I want to give you five things real quick that I believe are very important. Remember, the kingdom is the issue. Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Now those are the words of Jesus. Remember, I'm on an elementary level right now. Here's the first thing. The kingdom must become priority and a pursuit of our life. The kingdom of God, the rule of God, the realm of God, that place of dominion, it must be. Jesus said, seek first. Seek first the kingdom. Usually if it's the first through the Bible, it sets precedence to something. It's the law of the first God said, I want you to seek my life. I want you to seek my rule. I want you to seek the realm of authority that I have placed into your life. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Notice what he said. All of these things will be added unto you. Now, I want to show you something. Again, I'm at a very elementary entry level with what I'm sharing with you. Because remember, these are all new followers. They haven't been with Jesus for three years. They've only been with him maybe a few hours. And Jesus teaching the kingdom. So now it's all new. So he says, guys, I'm laying something that I know it's hard for you to grasp. I don't want you to be like them. When you pray, when you do this, don't think that you're going to be heard for all of this stuff. But he said, I'm going to teach you how. And the thing is, you're going to have to learn that there is another realm of rule to live in. That's basically what he's saying. Even for some of us in this room that have been in church all of our life, this is new. But he said, Seek that realm of rule. Here's the second thing. How do you get into this realm? How do we get into the kingdom? Well, let's go to the book of John, chapter 3. Remember, it's entry level where we are. John, chapter 3. Jesus is out doing his thing, man. He just turned water into wine. Miracles are starting to happen. And then there's a, there's a ruler, a teacher comes to him. A man, a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. John 3, verse 1. This man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, and for no one does these things that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered. Listen to what Jesus said. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Why? This is a spirit work. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. This is where that born again life, the moment you're born again, you enter into a new realm. Hey, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like a new baby. That little guy's been in that in the mother's womb for for what nine months and 
He's growing. We found out. Is it okay? I guess I could say this. Yeah, we found out this weekend. We told you Jared and Bailey's getting ready to have another one. And I was believing it was a boy, you know, and, and such as this. We come to find out I was wrong, a false prophet. He's go, it's going to be a little girl. So right now when I talk to my son, I'd call him. I'd call Jared up every day and say, hey, how's the boy doing? Oh, he's tucked away. He's doing good, hanging out. Or he's active today, something like that. And so right now he's in an environment within But his world or her world now is going to change. So around November, that womb is no longer going to be home. Where he's been warm and fuzzy and being nurtured in an absolute different environment, now in that born experience coming forth from that womb, he's going to take on a whole different realm of life where everything is being done for her. Did I say that right? (laughs) Everything is being done for her. All of a sudden, things are going to change. And the one thing that he'll or she'll know real quick, I guess I have to use that thing in the Bible where it says we're the sons of God, which means we're male and female. She's going to know that mama is going to be his supply. Mama's going to be his, huh? Her. There you go. Y'all get where I'm at. Y'all help me. Who knows? They may be wrong. Not likely, but, but she's going to know. And she's going to have to do it differently than what she's doing right now. So how do we enter? He's wanting, Master, I see you. Notice what he says. I see you do miracles. You do wonders. You do things we've never seen before. Nobody can do them unless they be be sent of God. And what he's really asking this, because this is what the teachers of the day would be asking probably. Why am I not doing that? Think about that for a moment. We're teaching about you, but you're being him. And he said, I really want to be like you. I believe that was his whole pursuit. I want to be like you. I want to do these miraculous things. I want to see people's lives change. So Jesus said, if you want to see the kingdom, you must be born again. And the word see there really carries this connotation of knowing the kingdom. If you want to know what it's all about, you're going to have to be born again. Because I can give you information, but that doesn't change anything. Unless the Spirit of God does a work in our life. That ought to be the prayer. God, show me. To pursuit, Lord, help me understand. Help me see. Here's the, let me show you something else in that passage. Read on down. Nicodemus said to him, Then how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into his second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
Now, personally, I'm one of these to believe. He's talking about being born of man, being in that womb, that water, right? And then, but also being born of the Spirit. Now, notice something. The kingdom realm is meant for our place of living here. We won't talk about that when we get to heaven. Because there will be no need. But here, you and I need understanding. So it is made for me to live in. This is something you and I better... It is made for us to live in. Right here. Unless a man is born of water and of the Spirit, he will not enter. He will not be a participator. He will not enjoy or experience the things of the kingdom. All right, let me give you the third thing. To operate fully in the function of the kingdom is to know the testimony of Jesus. Because it's not in a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's in Jesus. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 16. That's why we make Jesus the center of everything. He's got to be the center. He's got to be the focus of everything that we come to do. It's Jesus. Matthew chapter 16. Y'all know the story. Comes to Caesarea Philippi. He asked the, the disciples, say, who do men say that I am? They said, you're this one, you're that one. Then he looks at Peter, but he said, I want to know who you say that I am. Listen to what Peter says. Thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed. This you know the rest of the story. And then he says in verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Now, wait a minute. Keys speaks of authority. Keys also open and it locks things. It means I could tell you all day, well, be, have my car, but if you don't have a key to it, it doesn't matter. There's no function there. You've got to have a key to it. Some of you want an entrance into this building. You've got to have a key. You've got to have a means of getting in it. We can also keep things out because we've got a key. But notice, where did Jesus hand out the keys? After he said to Peter, blessed are you, Simon. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this. But what did Peter say? You are the Christ. You're the anointed one. That's why everything rests upon Jesus. He's the center of what Jesus did for us. That's why we need to know about the cross. We need to know about the blood. We need to know some of the things that we let slip. And listen, I don't know about you, but I keep reminding myself over and over and over about what Jesus did for me. I wear a band on my arm that keeps reminding me that I'm in a covenant relationship with Jesus. Now, I don't have to do that. I just got accustomed to do it. It used to have writing on it that said, Psalms 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. In my case that I carry, there's two books that I carry, and one of them, besides the Bible, one of them is about the blood of Jesus, and the other one is a little book by E.W. Kenyon on the covenant. And I'll pull those out and I'll remind myself over and over. When me and Diane take communion at night, we declare, I declare as I'm praying over us, the kingdom of God. God, we're in a covenant with you. He said, I'm giving you. If I've got the keys and I've given you keys, then you have the authority to unlock 
there, I believe there's rooms, church. I'm going to say it like that. Some of my friends, I, some of my friends like uh, Pastor Chris Cody and, and, and that group, that uh, brother and sister Dufresne, brother Dufresne went to be with the Lord. And a lot of, they talk a lot about uh, God opening a room. You can go into another room. And sometimes I think, what are you guys talking about? There, there, there's an, I, I just believe that there are places in the Lord that we've never opened up. And we're waiting for God to open up. And God said, I gave you a key. If you want to go in, go in. Well, Pastor Val was gone what number of months ago, back the first year to Florida. He needed me to send him something that he left back at the house. So what did he do? He gave me his code. To his garage. He said the door's open. So now I've got authority to go in. Now he wasn't there. But I had I had a right to the refrigerator. I had a right to anything that was in it. He gave it to me. If I didn't go, it's nobody's fault but mine. Of course, I didn't violate that. He knows that. But if I tell you to come and make yourself at home, can I get you something and you, I offer it to you and don't take it, then don't blame me that you go home hungry. We do God that same way every week. Not every week. We do it every day. God said, I got more for you, but you're not open. I'm not hungry. I, I don't know. I, is it really for me? Sh- should I have it? Am I worthy of this? This is where he's saying, I've given you keys. And if you're going to function fully in kingdom authority and kingdom realm, you're going to have to have this incredible relationship of knowing Jesus. Here's the fourth thing. Remember, we're talking elementary stuff. What if I don't know? What if I don't know what the will of God is? What do I do? Well, I can search it and find it, but I still may not know. My brother, I, you've heard me tell this story here before. My oldest brother that used to evangelize and cross the nation went to East Kentucky among the hillbillies. He's a preaching machine, and he's preaching at night, and he offers people to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and this little old guy just gets down on his knees, throws his hands up, and says, Happy Landing Holy Ghost, and was filled like that. Now, I don't know about you, that didn't happen to me that way. And if you come up like most of us, you had a whole group around you. Some hang on, come on, let go. Everybody's swaying you, pushing you, moving. And the simplicity of somebody that didn't know, that just heard, wait a minute, I can have this Holy Ghost. Okay, boom. The simplicity of it. So when you don't know, Or you're in that spot. At least I may not even understand everything. I believe this is how we pray. Thy kingdom come. God, your will be done on this earth. I believe that's the simplest prayer that we could pray. Lord, have your will. God, I want your will in this church. I want your will in my life. I want your will in my family. I want your will in my health, your finances. If I don't know, remember, this is elementary for a lot of us. But most of us ought to be functioning beyond that. With the keys of the kingdom. And not just saying, Lord. But I still find myself after 40 years of pastoring and 
all of my life of being in church, me and Diane, I still find myself praying like this. Lord, I just want to be in your will. I don't want to miss you. I pray like this. I don't want to be ahead of you. I don't want to be behind you. I don't want to be on the left. I don't want to be on the right. I want to be right where you want me to be. And I am confident. And you and I, all of us, need. if he's not giving you a clear direction, maybe you're right where he wants you to be for the moment. Doesn't mean you're going to be there forever. It may just be for the moment of time. So when you don't know, just pray the kingdom. Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Let me land the jet here. Turn with me to Luke 18. Luke chapter 18. Jesus speaks another parable. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought to. Read that with me. Verse 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always, what? Ought to pray and not lose heart. So wait a minute, this is what he's saying. This is how you and I are to pray. Oh, by the way, let me ask this. I'm going to put you on the spot. How many of you have been praying what you wrote down last week? few of you. What about the rest of you? See, we got to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Sorry, I'm just putting you on the spot. Because a petition, we talked about petitions last week. Is something you presented before an authority that you've signed off on and said, wait a minute, I believe this is the will of my, of my life and I believe it's your will for my life and this is what I'm asking of you. So God, I'm going to keep praying it until I see it. This is what the Word said. See, here again, I told you last week, we get messed up sometimes because some of the faith people said this, you ought to pray it once. If you're in faith, you never have to pray it again. I don't know about that. Personally. Now, if you want to walk there, that's cool. But I don't know. That's how we can get confused. But he said in 1 John chapter 5, this is the confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, we have it. Okay, if it hadn't manifest, what do I do? Keep praying, Michael. I keep asking. Look at what he said. This is how we ought to pray. He said there was, remember, it's a parable. A parable could be a fictional story. Or it might be a true story that Jesus is using to get over a truth. He said there was a certain judge, a certain city, and a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. He's just a bad boy. And it said now there was a widow in that city. This was a person that's absolutely dependent on somebody to help her. And she came to him saying, avenge me or get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this woman troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual Coming, she wearies me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. He said, I'm paying attention to her. She's not coming. I don't have to move. 
I don't regard man. I don't regard God. I don't have to move. But this woman knows that I have the authority to change everything about her life. And she's not going to give up until it's settled. That's what she keeps declaring. And she keeps coming. Oh, it's her again. The secretary just buzzes. Hey, it's that woman again. Finally, he said, I'm tired of this. She's wearying me, lest I get weary with it. But then notice what he said. And he said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Though it looks like he's not going to answer. God, are you hearing me? Are you paying attention up there? Listen to what he says. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes. I like what he says here. When the Son of Man comes, will he... Read that last part with me. Will he really find faith on the earth? God said, this is faith. Will he really find somebody that believes that he will do what he said he would do? That once he spoke it, he will not. I am not going to stop until I see it. Even over our nation or whether it would be with our church, our community, whether it be with our life. God, you said this and I'm not going to stop until you answer. God said, this is faith. He said, am I going to find it? When he comes, am I, am I really going to find faith on the earth? So here, here we go, church. If we're going to pray like Jesus, he's teaching us. Remember, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Because it's through our great relationship with him. These weren't Zach's words. They're not somebody. These were the words of Jesus. This is my faith. What does my faith tell me? That God is true. That God can't fail. That God can meet every need. I know I get weary. I find myself praying about things that I believed. And I start getting weary because I don't see. And I need somebody to come along and give me a boost with my faith. They can't give me faith, but what they do, they stir my faith. So what I do, I, I, get, I get my note back out. I get my petition. Hey, God, I, I want to remind you of this petition. Because if I'm not careful, when I don't see, this is what happens when I don't see and I keep hearing. That's when I, I start getting weary. I start getting weary. Anybody here ever get weary and say, God, I don't know if you're going to do this or not. Let's give it another term. It's called discouraged. This is why we do life together. This is why we, we're better together. This is why we've got to start doing life together, not another program. I need somebody from time to time, and this happens frequently with me. Somebody will get on my heart. It's happened several times this week. I'll call, hey, dude, you Okay. Most time they lie to me. And when they call me, I do the very same thing. Huh? I know Michael calls me. But I'll call you, hey, dude, you okay? Don't give up. 
Maybe they're going through a very difficult time. This is where faith has to step in. This is where we as believers, this is why our testimonies are so important. Men, you know, I'm afraid to boast about what Jesus has done. Don't be afraid to brag on what Jesus did. I was listening to Jesse recently. Man, you listen to Jesse. He said, you don't even know what kind of man standing in front of you. He said, I got a chandelier hanging in my house that cost over a million dollars. See, most of the church, we get messed up by that. And He said, I'm telling you, I'm not boasting. I'm telling you what Jesus has done for me. It shouldn't have never happened, but Jesus has blessed me. And you know what? He believed what the book said about God blessing him. A lot of those guys did. They're living this thing out. He said, I was broker in Job's turkey, didn't have enough money to squeeze two nickels together. He said, him and his wife going down the road one day and a jet flies over him. And he said, the Lord taught him, look up. He said, you're going to have one of those. He could barely get gas in his Toyota. And God said, you're going to have one of those. And he starts praying, Lord, how, I don't know how I'm going to do it. God said, I didn't ask you to do it. I just asked you to believe me to do it. And sometimes that's where we're at. We're trying to figure out how we're going to do it instead of believing God to do it through us somehow. Amen. So we seek the kingdom. Jesus said, this is how we're to pray. My heart is to see you walk in everything that God has for you. I believe there's so much more. Doc, I don't believe we have to leave this planet with cancer. I don't think we have to leave this planet in a car accident. I don't think we have to leave this planet broke. I think God's people ought to be the most prosperous, flourishing, happy, joyous, peaceful people on the planet. I believe that. Last verse, I didn't have it in my notes, but I'm going to give it to you. I love it out of the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 28, and I think it's verse 11. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to read it because I, I, I mess it up every time I do. And we're going to go. Go ahead and stand with me, would you? Deuteronomy chapter 28, listen to what he says. And God said, I'm going to establish you as a holy people to himself. Just as he sworn to you. And if you keep the commandments, he's talking about walking out the covenant. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, listen to this. Then all the people of the earth are going to see that you are called by my name or by the name of the Lord and they will give great respect to you. That's his promise to you and I. I pray that all the time. God, I want people to see if you do something for me, I want them to know. God, I want it so I can say, look what I want them to know. Man, where's that guy from? I'm a child of God. So let's pursue God and his kingdom tonight.